Do you like love? Are you an night owl? Then Late Night Love is a place for you. Since life is negative enough, here we discuss everything love. What we love, who we love, and why we love. So join us. And thank you for joining us this evening on another excursion down the stream of consciousness towards the river of love and on towards the sea of tranquility. There we go. Yay. You did it. <laughs> that was actually pretty good. I didn't try so hard. I didn't think about it beforehand. I almost forgot what I was going to do. Oddly enough. See? So maybe the thing is to not think about it. Or it was just New Year's luck. We'll give it a little one of the two. <laughs> New Year's <laughs> luck. A little bit of luck for the New Year. And <laughs> we'll take what we can get around here these days. So it is what the second. second of the new year second day of the new year and for us around here all that really means is we switch over our podcast from season one to season two, two. <laughs> 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 we'd have changed a little a couple things we are changing we are doing the daily dose only five days a week monday through friday we'll repost some old ones on the weekend uh but recycle yeah recycle we what we say, re-promote, I guess, is the proper re-promote, word. Re-promote, yes. Re-promote some old ones on the weekend. But kind of seven days a week is a... I need to find some time for other projects. And so we'll manage what time we can. And I think five a week is plenty. I think to, yes. Yeah. Next week, we will have the... Um, Love line working. I actually think I've got most of that. I think. Let me. Which for those of you, it's one nine one six nine one three six seven nine seven six seven will be the number. But you can always reach us at anchorfm.slash late night love and leave us a voice ma- message there. Or you can send Lubby over there an email at love yes. at late night at love at late night love dot us. Uh, let me make sure that's up there. You can hit me up on Twitter at JazzRack. Or, alternatively, you can join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash late night and up for as little as $3 a month and have continual com- contact conversations and help direct the direction of the show. So, enough of all that. Let's move on. So, I have came across some something interesting today. Okay. There was a post on social media. Who and why it was posted is irrelevant. It was just a meme. But the question was, I was it? I deserve love, not like, not lust, not and all the various emotions. I deserve love. They deserve love and not the lust and all the other emotions and feelings people have towards other people. Okay. Now I can understand the sentiment. But I find it hard to believe that, except maybe from your parents and your family, I'm not sure who you can deserve love from. I mean, what if you're a crabby person? Well, I was going to say, I strive to be worthy of love. Yeah, I don't think you can deserve love. I mean, it's a... I mean, as a child, you deserve the love of your parents and the love of your family. And you, as every human being, you should get that. We don't always do, but, you know, we can understand at that level. But as a full, fully functional adult, 
You don't deserve love. You earn love. You become a human being that people can love. People want to be around, respect, honor, love. I mean, if you're a Miss Krabby Patty or a, or a Mr. Grumpy Pants, you know, maybe you don't deserve love until you change your attitude. You know, if you're a person of ill repute, genuine ill repute, we're not talking, you know, the prostitutions. I'm talking general ill repute. If you are a liar, nefarious, nefarious, a, a thief, violent, do you actually deserve love? Now, maybe if you'd gotten some love in your earlier life, you wouldn't be the person you are today. But that doesn't mean you, as now, deserve love. This notion that you deserve the actions of others or deserve the emotions of others. Now, I can understand how... I'm worthy of love. Being an unwanted object of lust is annoying. Yes. I can understand that. And I can understand if that happens on a, uh, frequently, how it could have a negative impact on your life. It, it substantially. I can actually get that. And so I can kind of understand the mindset where the person was coming from. But this notion of deserve. If you're not a child, you don't deserve love. Now, maybe you do in your circumstance. Maybe you're married to somebody and, and you do all the things you do, you should be doing. You are a good human being and the people around you don't love you. And so in that, maybe in that sense, you do deserve love. That you are doing what you need to do. You are the good human being. You are the kind human being. But the people in your social circles aren't appreciative of it. Don't are themselves ne'er-do-wells or selfish, overly selfish, uncaring, unkind. You know, whatever words we want to slap onto it. And so you do deserve love. But in that circumstance, you have to take control of the people you're around. It might not be easy. But if you deserve love, you have to surround yourself with people who are willing to love you. Love you, yes. If you've surrounded yourself with... Well, with people who aren't capable of showing that they care, that's got to be hard. But there is also another thing. Maybe they are showing you care. I saw a video the other day of this guy, I don't know, in, in somewhere in the UK. And during coronavirus, they got locked down on their farm. So they couldn't really go anywhere. And so he says, well, I'm going to, he says, I'm going to take whatever I have on my farm and build my wife a little cabin so she can work, you know, she can work remotely. She has to work remotely now. And in the house with the kids, it's, you know, they got a six-month-old. So he's got this six-month-old baby out here in the farm on the thing as he's sitting there working on his thing. He damn near cuts his hand, his finger off. And, of course, he's a man. Does he go and bandage it up or anything? No, he finishes what he's doing. Blood pouring out. what he's doing. Oh, for heaven's sakes. No, it was with the handsaw, right? He's cutting the handsaw, and it was yes. crappy technique. You're watching that and going, uh, that's asking for trouble, man, of course. He, yeah. So, but of course, you know, he's a f old farm hand, you know, it's, eh, it's still detached, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just a kite. Yeah, that's going to leave a scar, <laughs> you know, 
But he was trying to do it without his wife noticing. And she was trying to do this all in secret and trying to build it just out of the materials he had at hand. He didn't have to actually go buy anything. He kind of scavenged in materials at hand on the farm and had, it had built his, and so he ended up building his wife this little cabin. So well, could, that's a wonderful gesture of love. Yeah. So maybe, you know, instead of expressing his love, as verbally, he clearly shows it. She has a problem. He solves it. Yes. And so, you know, maybe if you're not feeling love, maybe you're not looking. You know, maybe the people you're around are bad at expressing it the way you need. But maybe they're not bad at expressing it. You know, maybe they're trying their best to show you and you're just crossing each other and when you're talking past each other instead of to each other type of thing and that can happen that happens far too often and people think they're you know especially men and women people who have vastly different communication styles some screw men and women anybody who has vastly different communication styles yeah. is going to come across this problem you know there's the show me versus tell me if you have a really high tell me person and a really high show me, show me person, you're going to cross, you're going to miss connections often. Yes. And so, you know, you have to work really hard. It's not that they can't work. You just both are, you are going to have to make some compromises. You know, that's why, you know, people who are more balanced don't have to make the biggest compromise. But, you know, if you're that extreme, Maybe some compromise is good for your soul. And <laughs> You're more a show me. Yes. I ask you to tell me sometimes. I've asked twice to be thanked for doing the kitchen, that it would really help me. I'm still waiting. <laughs> You're just a more show me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, but that actually goes back to that whole that's a whole issue with me. And I don't know if it's an anxiety thing or if it's a defiance thing. Anytime someone asks me to want to do something like that. I... That's why I'm very careful <laughs> when I ask you. I get this goofy, and I know it's a goofy I know reaction. You do. I know you do. That's why I, I, I'm very careful, and I only ask for what I really need. It's an insanely goofy reaction. I don't particularly like that I get that reaction, but you know, I still have to deal with it. It doesn't go away just because I don't like it. Right, right, right. That's the part that sucks about it. I'd like for it to go away because it doesn't actually serve me much good, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I try to mitigate it as best I can, I suppose. Uh, yes, you do a pretty good job most of the time. But and Some, there's sometimes you get stuck on some things. Well, and sometimes I'm, you know, there's days where I'm crabbier or whatever than others. And, it, it, it's or it, maybe I'm not crabby or it's the, the filters that I've developed over time are less effective because stress or hundred things that happen in people's life. You're not every day you're on your top of your game, right? Right, right, right. Some days you only got your C game and you, <laughs> you can't always be on your A game. It's, you know, you do pretty good. At, you do really good at hiding your grumpy days. I usually can't tell. Well, They're few and far between, but your filter days, those are fun days. 
when your filter's not quite working. <laughs> like I get lots of zingers. Well, it's the grumpy days are easy to tell. It's when you don't hear from me. Yes. That's when you know I'm grumpy. <laughs> it's those days where I don't say very much. That's the days where I can't trust my own mouth. I'm like, just shut the hell up. <laughs> I can't trust my mouth to be realistic. And I can't trust my reactions to be real. And so I shut up. Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, at least I've learned to do that. I figure that's. I tell you, I'm grumpy. <laughs> that's part. I'm I actually grumpy today. I don't think I always know when I'm grumpy. I think my subconscious knows more when I'm grumpy than my active conscious does. I, I think my subconscious is far better at knowing when I'm grumpy than my conscious. I, uh, but again, as I think, you know, you don't know. How do you know? How do you know? Yeah, you know for sure. You don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of guess these things. Okay. Now, we'll segue on to the next one. We uh, had a strange experience this week. Or this last day or so. I guess not strange. It's, I guess it happens to people all the time. It's just one of those where a, a death happens and the response isn't exactly what we expect. No, I was chatting with someone and he said, hey, how are you? Happy New Year. My mom passed away on the 31st. She had dementia for 13 years. How's your weekend going? And I went, my deepest condolences <laughs> on the passing of your mother. And he just didn't want to talk about it. So I left it, of course. I respected his boundaries. But it was just like, whoa. Well, I think the third for that particular one, that 13 years of dementia is the clue. Yes. It's his mother's in a better place. She was suffering. And yes. so I think for not only her was suffering, the family was suffering. And so it's it's a relief that your mother is no longer suffering. Now, I don't, there are days where they're going to have mixed emotions. But at the moment, after 13 years of having to cope with that, I can actually understand it. Yeah. I can understand that reaction. Now, they're, my guess is they're going to bounce. The whole family, they're going to. Well, that's what happens after a death. You bounce all over the place. They're going to bounce all over the place. But that sense of relief, an overall sense of relief in that circumstance, I think is understandable. It is understandable. And you know, at some point, there's a lot of people who talk about death with dignity. You know, at some point, when do you... I wouldn't want to go 13 years with dementia. I wouldn't. So what point would... You know, it's just, it's a, it, and it's so individual. There's no right or wrong answers. I don't. No, no, no. Everyone grieves, in uh, grief is unique. I, I I've lived long enough to know that much. Grief is unique to each individual, and and no one has any room to judge whatsoever. No, and we don't know. For all we know, his mother could have been a. She could have been the kindest human being on the planet or the exact opposite. You know, and we don't know what the relationship was. So there may be a right. different type of relief. But just, just, I don't have to go anywhere but the 13 years of dementia. That is a burden. 
and that you can carry for a time, but carrying it for 13 years. And you know how dementia works. It only gets worse. It only gets worse. Yes. And so it's heartbreaking. And it's a heartbreaking thing. And so I can see how it would be a relief. And not just because I don't have to deal with it anymore. It's because my mother is no longer suffering. Suffering. Yes. I think that's the, you know, we had to deal with that with my grandmother. I don't remember exactly. It was dementia, Parkinson's or something like that. And she had, and it was, it was difficult. And not everybody can deal with it. There's a lot of people who can't emotionally cope when their parent gets that sick. I hadn't thought of that. And they're not, they're not, emotionally capable now for whatever reasons and so you know what do you do and that burden has to fall on the rest of the family you know and in retrospect it's one of the few things i actually i suppose i do regret not spending more time with my grandmother during those final years but at the same time i was trying to raise a young family things were volatile at the time shall we say so you know we all have our own crosses to bear, but these are difficult things and you can only, death is a difficult thing to deal with. Every death individually is tragic. It's tragic for the humanity. I mean, we're all watching it in our culture today and societies across the whole world. There's, you know, we're dealing with death on a daily basis now. Yes. And so death is insanely tragic on the individual level but at the same time we're as humans we've been coping with it since eternity i mean most of our religions started because we were trying to understand death what happens afterwards to give us some hope that you know we just don't die that there's some meaning to life and so you know it's it's a difficult there's there's no simple answers. There's no right or wrong way to get through it. It's to get through it. You know? For all of us, we had a death in our political circles. A tragic, sudden death, just out of the blue. What do we do? You know, this is someone a lot of people looked up to. And, you know, you've got a lot of, and it's, it's different. It's not like it's a completely different kind of emotion than when your family member dies. It's not even the same planet, but you still have to deal with it. There's a hole in, in our circle. And for even those of us who are on the exterior of that particular circle, it's still, you know, we're only three degrees separated. And so we're all separated. You know what? A six degrees of separation from almost anybody on the planet, I think, is what is the, the, is the thing. Is the thing. And so we're all interconnected. And and death is something that unifies us. None of us are getting out of here. <laughs> None of us are getting out of this alive. Life has a hundred percent mortality rate. So the question is, how are you going to make the journey? Yeah, are you going to make the journey the best you can or are you going to make the journey a miserable place? Because we're all going to the same spot. 
whether we like it or not. <laughs> so the end of our journey all ends at the same spot. Every single one of us. Some of us have harder paths there. Some of us have shorter paths. Some of us have longer paths. Some of us have more tragic paths. But we're all getting to the same spot. And so the question is, how do you want to behave on the way? What kind of person do you want to behave on the way? The great philosophers have always been about the journey. Life isn't about the thing. It's about the trip. Because where you go changes on the way. Because you change on the way. I don't know. I don't like talking about death. But it came up this week. Yeah. So we thought we would broach the subject. Well, I don't think anybody likes talking about death. That's why it's kind of important to talk about. But there's also no good answers. I don't have good answers for death. We've been looking for good answers about death for thousands of years. Or if we haven't come up with one now, we're not going to come up with one. You know, if all the ancient and all the philosophers, people who had all the time to think in the world just to sit and think, haven't come up with a good philosophy to explain death, what makes us think we can do it? Well, Those of yeah. us who have don't have all this time, same time to think, who don't have all the, you know, in a sense, life is too complicated now. I don't know. It's just so. Anyway, when it comes to death. Manage it the best you can. Be kind. If I were going to, if you are in a family, if you're in a circle where someone is dead, well, try to be the one that people can rely on. If there's any advice I can give somebody for dealing with death, it's try to be the one people can rely on. Try not to make it worse. Yeah. Try to be the one to that other people can lean on. You know, maybe his father is going to be gonna be the person your father can lean on. Yeah, Don't be the burden. Or try not to be the burden. You, know, you have your own emotions to, to deal with, but try not to be the burden. And at the end, you know, your own journey will be better. And your loved one will look down at you and appreciate you for it. So, as we move on, what do we have? We've got a few more minutes before we do our, our break. So, what do you got? What do we have for the next half? What do we have for our second half of our show over there? Well, I have 100 questions to get to know someone better. Uh, get to know someone better. So, yes. Okay, you asked a good one earlier, just before the show. What was it? Well, which one? I only said two. Yeah, I know. What if you? Doing. What would you do if you could live forever? I, I wouldn't want to live forever. I'd kill myself. I, That's I what I would do if I could live forever. How do I want to do that for? I got bad knees and a bad neck. And, oh man, do I get to live forever at like twenty-five, or do I have to live forever at like ninety? You know, <laughs> is there some? There's some parameters here. I just, I don't know. Why would you want to live forever? Why would you want to outlive all your loved ones? Well, part of the 
part of the truth in life is that it does end. That's part of the realness. And that's what, you know, if, if life never ended, there's no need to do anything but eat and sleep. What do you care? History, the future, eh, it becomes less meaningful. Uh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Why do you need a child? Why do you need a family? Why do you need to care about the next generation? You don't. You're it. And the future becomes today. In a sense, becomes selfish. That's would be that's my thought. I think you would. So, yeah. Well, most vampires do seem to be selfish. I'm just saying. Yes. Well, why would you live any other way? Like. Okay, the second question I asked was, what would be your first decision if you were elected president? <laughs> is to resign. <laughs> that would be my first. What the heck have you people done? <laughs> <laughs> You'd make a good president. I make a good president because I don't want to be. That's the only reason I would make a good president because I don't want to be. You do it, never run again. No, I'd get elected and I'd resign because my vice presidential pick would be a far more, far more qualified person to do the job than me. But, you know, I don't have much of an ego. But no, if, if someone like me gets elected president, we've really gone off the rails. You think we went off the rails electing Donald Trump president? Oh, Lord. At least I'm ethical and honest and all that good stuff. But, yeah, no, I've got too much Cartman in me to be. You must respect my authority. Oh, God. Yeah, you don't want me to. You cannot give me authority. Well, my family won't even give me a whistle, so. <laughs> no one wants me with authority. You must give me authority. You must respect my authority. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine me with, a, with actual authority? Can you? They'd be wicked to watch. It'd be fun. It'd be I wouldn't fun. do any. I wouldn't do anything immoral. No. Nor unethical. You Hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure we need a president that's the king of comedy. <laughs> just, just, I'm sorry. Hey, let, I know. Let's have a rave at, at Area 51. That's the kind of stuff I would do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not entirely sure y'all want me as president. So what about you? I would repeal the marijuana law. I would see I wouldn't I wouldn't sign anything. I'd veto everything until they put it through. You must respect my authority. Yes. <laughs> I told you they won't give me a whistle. <laughs> no, what they want to do is play games with you. You are the world's worst winner. I'm the best winner just because no one appreciates my I'm the winner and you're the loser dance. Yes, we've all heard of bad win of bad. And losers. the song I won and you lost. I won and you lost with a little dance, with a little dance. Mm, mm, mm. Like I said, you're the world's worst winner. <laughs> 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 I just say. Well, if you would win every once in a while, maybe you could do a dance. I'm not too. playing with you, so I'm never going to know if I'm going to win or not. 
And with that, we are going to go to break. And we are back dealing with questions to get to know somebody better. Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah, questions to get to know somebody better. We're dealing with that. We we covered some, what we covered, death and love in the first half of the show, which was interesting, I suppose. Interesting combination, love and death. Do you love deserve and love? And, you know, the mixed emotions that can come with death sometimes? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a... Strange, not strange. It's a strange show. It's a strange show tonight. Maybe it's just me that's feeling. Well, strange. death is strange. It's it's out of the norm, and and everyone mourns differently. It's so individual. Yeah, it's you know we're gonna actually have to sit down. We maybe we have to find someone to have a conversation about dealing with death. I have to have an interview. I have to find oh, uh, oh that's a good idea. Because especially with everything going on. I think that's uh, interesting. Anyway, if you guys want to contact her, you can send love me an email at love at late night love us. You can hit me up at Twitter at jazzrack, and you can find us on you know uh, Facebook and Google, and or you can join our Patreon community at patreon.com slash late night love. All right. So, what else we got over there? If you had a get out of jail free card, what crime would you commit? I wouldn't. I wouldn't either. I'd feel so guilty. Any crime I would commit with a get out of jail free card, I'd commit now anyway. So I'd, uh, there's nothing that would. Well, I'm not telling you on the camera. I'm. I'm not. <laughs> a, I'm not a criminal sort. I like. I like living my life open and easy. Well, I. I whether something is legal or not does not define my activities. It's whether something is ethical or moral. And so. Oh. You know, I don't actually consider the law much. Now, I happen to be an ethical person. Oops. I happen to be an ethical person, so therefore I am more often than not, far more often than not, on the side of the law. You know, don't take don't take things and don't hurt other people. Keep you on, on the good side of the law 99% of the time. So, yes. <laughs> so you know, <laughs> we're talking violations of policy, not violations of people, if, if I'm going to violate laws. So... Is what it is, but I don't pay much attention to the law. I don't completely ignore it. You know, we had to pay attention to stupid campaign finance law. Oh, that was a nightmare. Yeah. So there's thoughts, there's its own thing. But so, you know, you pick and choose. But as a rule of thumb, I don't look for laws for my morality. So, well, here's one. What would you give your life for? What would I, any, my, Children, my grandchildren. Yeah, that's people I love. Yes. The future of society? I don't know. I could think of a handful of things. You know. If I thought it would actually generally help society. Sure. The world. The future. Generally. Now, the little old me ain't gonna help the world in the future, but you know. You know, if you like one of those movies where you've got you're the person who's got to drive the spaceship into the moon to destroy the asteroids so it doesn't kill the Earth. Sure, I, I do the kamikaze mission. Why not? 
<laughs> You're never going into space. Damn it. No. But, I know you want to go to the moon. That's nuts. Hop, I hop. You can get me in an airplane, but I, I'll hop in a rocket. It just, it just because such a unique experience. I would. I'd hop on a rocket, but far faster I'd hop on an airplane. What do you want your legacy to be? I just want to have more love in the world. That's really all it is. Yes. You know, I, I don't know. I don't put much thought into my personal legacy. I just, you know, want more love in the world. So, so I guess if I leave more love ripples than I the negative ripples in the on the world, then I've done a good thing. I guess. I suppose. I yeah. Know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. If he could change his well, what about you? Wait a minute. You don't get away at not answering that question. My legacy? <laughs> my love for my children and my bread. I bring bread to people's houses. It's my it's my legacy. That's what I want to be remembered for, my bread. And my my love of my children and my grandchildren. It's all about family for me. I'm such a typical grandma. It's, just, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is what it is. We're all the grandmas. So what else we got? Would you would you change history if you could? Well, this is one of these things. I know far too much history and that you actually can't change as much history as we think we can. So without wanting to go into a, a big, long historical thing, if you killed baby Hitler, you still would have had World War II because none of the other conditions changed. So actually changing history is not as easy as we think it is. Ah. It's actually insanely complex. And quite frankly, there's no guarantee that, you know, what you change, the change you want is the change you're going to get. Yes. You know, as a grand scheme of things, extreme poverty has never been lower the human condition has never been better. Yes, we have problems in the world, but in terms of the human condition, there has never been a better time to be alive. So, no, the reality is I wouldn't change history too much because the repercussions of that are unknown. I would change some of the stupid stuff I did, but I wouldn't want to change history. Well, that's because, the problem. How, you, but with the six degrees of separation, how do you don't know that some drunken night you bumped into some politician and spilt a drink on himself? He had to go home and change and, instead of sleep with that other woman, and now he's a successful politician because he never slept and cheated with his wife. And I have spilled drinks on people in my drunk days. <laughs> I, I'm an alcoholic. I haven't had a drink in 31 years. And I have spilled my share of drinks. That's all I'm saying is, and so, but you don't know. Someone went home instead of stayed out. And if they'd have stayed out that night, they'd have gotten into trouble and, and, and they've gone off to save the world. And if you hadn't have spilled that drink on them, they would have been a derelict, a drunken derelict. 
You don't know. We don't know. We don't. That's why I don't want to change very much. Right. Because I don't know. I have wonderful children and grandchildren, and while we all have problems, I don't want bigger ones. <laughs> and so right. that's that's what I always see on these things. I always see the bigger problems flash like ah, problem, problem, danger, danger. I don't want it. So no, I wouldn't change very much. Maybe the type of shoes I buy, get these arch support shoes sooner. Maybe that's <laughs> you know something may maybe. But nothing uh, no, I wouldn't change anything. It's just too dangerous. If you could have a superpower, which would you choose? Oh. I would choose to be invisible. When I when I wanted. Oh. Just kind of fade out. I would want one. All the comic book heroes come with disaster. Their lives are full of disaster. People they love and they care about are continually in danger and hurt and destroyed. No, I don't want any of that. No. I don't want the responsibility. You would turn away x-ray vision? Yes. Because if I had x-ray visions, then, then somebody, the government, would want me to use it. And then you'd have other people who would want me. No, no screw it. Stay away from me. Leave me the hell alone. <laughs> <laughs> Having superpowers never works out. Don't you read comics or watch movies? <laughs> never works out. No, it doesn't. You want to be a farmer. <laughs> away from the city. Out doing your own thing. Really? Who was your childhood hero? Oh my God. Mine was, I didn't really have a hero. I mean, some of my teachers were very kind to me and I, and I had little crushes on them, but I can't really say I had a hero. I didn't have a hero. There was, we had a family friend who was my step father's science lab partner i guess he was he was a, the definition of an absent-minded professor okay if you want to if you looked in a book an absent-minded professor if you vision an absent-minded professor in your head you get him and he's the one who kind of taught me how to use the scientific process to educate myself i think he realized that i wasn't going to fit into the traditional education system and so he taught me how to educate myself and just kind of long walks and lectures informally. It's, I learned a lot. In informal. That's beautiful. In informal lectures. So, you know, it's funny. My stepfather would go out to fix his sprinkler system. You know, this is a guy who would work on like moon rocks. You know, microbiologist work on moon rocks, but couldn't program his sprinkler system, which I can understand because I can't program mine. So <laughs> I'm in good company, but you know, or changes oil and you know, he probably could, but you know what I mean? It's had trouble balancing a checkbook. Absolutely freaking brilliant in microbiology. But you know, you spend that much time becoming that educated in one single field. Other stuff has to suffer. 
you simply haven't had time to become proficient in other activities. You've spent so much time in one. We need people like that. And I'm not, it's not a complaint. It's, you know, we need people who deep dive into single issues, just like we need jacks of all trades because they all bring different perspectives. You know, a jack of all trade can actually teach someone uh, something that, uh, you know, someone, uh, a deep dive knowledge person because they don't know to connect the dots. Oh, you know, if you connect, if you did that, oh, really? Yeah. But they never thought about it because it's out of their realm of experience. Right, right. But someone who's a jack of all trades can, can say, you know, that actually does work well if you put it together with this thing over here, you know, in the real world. That's why there's two different types of science. There's theoretical science and practical science. And they're not, and you know, sometimes they work together, sometimes they work apart. <sighs> anyway, got off on a science tangent for no reason, but you well, know, we speaking, are we are love, life, and culture over here. So. so, speaking of a science question, if you could send a message to an alien species, what would it be? Stay away. Why? Because we're no, because we're still trying to figure out what we're doing. Yeah, but by the time it got to them, it, it'd be hundreds of years from now. I wouldn't send them anything, but it's because it's pointless. The communication timeline is so long that trying to send a message, who's gonna? By the time it gets there, they send one back. It's like our great, 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 great grandchildren are gonna have to be the ones listening for it. We don't know what the heck. Yeah, forget it. Just there's no point. And it's not. I actually, I'm one of those who believes there's probably lots of other civilizations out there, but they're so far away to be irrelevant and our current knowledge of travel. Well, somebody has to make the first step. Well, yeah, but. Oh, well, and we have, what did we send off? We sent off a recording of some jazz. Yeah, well, the Voyager probes and are still out there flying, but they haven't even, they haven't even left, technically left our solar system yet. They've been going for, that's how far these distances are. Yes. Yeah. But they're actually, I just heard, they're actually still sending back new discoveries. They're still sending back information. Those damn little voyagers, man. Those little—they—they <laughs> they sure built things back then. <laughs> <laughs> they built things to last back then. <laughs> Those little guys, man. They're still going. That—that's that, a ten testament to just how robust the, those they built. Those those things. those things, yeah. I mean, and considering the technology they were working with, there's less power in those things than in your cell phone. Tell there's less power of those things than in your candy bar cell phone from 20 years ago. That's amazing. So it's just, yeah, it's a strange thing. So what else we got? Okay, here's a silly one. What would you do during a zombie apocalypse? I would die. That's what I would do because I can't run. I can't run anymore. I would just die. I become a zombie. <laughs> I join them. If you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, if you can't get to the top of a mountain somewhere, or someplace where you could, or an island, then fuck it, just join them, become a zombie, screw it. What the hell? It's just a different part of stage of life. <laughs> but you're undead. Ah. You don't know. Maybe that's what happens after death. We all become zombies. Well, um, we, clearly we don't because you know we know what happened. That well, people yeah, are walking right, around dead. Right, right, but, right, right, right. but you know, hey, we can, maybe we can evolve to become zombies after we die. Okay, that was I just, a, fucking that join was, it. Become that the zombies. Was a silly question. No, no, just join it. Become the goddamn zombies. I don't know what we're all afraid of. Just become the zombie. Just join the crowd. We're all zombies today, anyway. We're all zombies today, anyway. If you could live anywhere, where exactly would it be? I know where you would go. Really? Where's that? Hawaii, because your knees don't hurt. <laughs> yeah, but it's insanely expensive to live there. <laughs> I'm not sure it would be improvement. There's got to be some place on the continental U.S. that my knees don't hurt. If the Hawaii, my knees hurt less than Hawaii, there's got to be some place less that has this fairly similar environmental condition. Yeah, but doesn't it have trees? I don't care. I do. I can put fake ones in. I can put fake ones in. <laughs> I need trees. We'll baby. put plastic one up. They got I need we'll, trees. I'll, I'll I'll go to the Christmas tree warehouse after right after Christmas and buy up a whole crap ton of fake Christmas trees and we'll put up a bunch of fake Christmas trees and you can have Christmas trees. There, you can surround it with trees. <laughs> Not the same. <laughs> Never say I don't love you. <laughs> you would do it too. <laughs> Just for me. <laughs> I I think I I think I would like to live in a foreign country for a while, like France or Denmark, um, but only for like a year. I don't think I would like to live full time. I like California. I love it here. I've been here 38 years. I love it here. Really? I despise this place now. I know you do. But anyway. If the purge were real, what would you do? What is the purge? What does this question mean? The purge. It's a movie. It's one of the dystopian future, goofy, stupid, dystopian future, scare the crap out of teenager movies. Right? It's for one night, like 12 hours a day, every year, every crime is legal. Everything. Nothing is illegal. There's no crime. And they call it the purge. And so you either go out and become a malcontent and go around running and, and kill and, right, mangle and, you know, rape huh. and pillage the whole nine yards huh. type of thing. Or you, you know, hide and have a party kind of thing. I would hide and have a party. It's just a dystopian. Why would you want to be out in that mayhem? Well, it's because there's a certain number of people who thrive on mayhem. Drayhem, that's true. That's have, true. I, just because I can't understand it doesn't mean they don't exist. Did right. you see the summer? You know, <laughs> there's a certain number of people who thrive on mayhem. And just, yeah, it is what it is. 
And then you get the whole group psychology. But it's just a stupid teenager horror flick. It's not even worthy of a discussion, quite frankly. Oh, okay. Because it's not even, it's so stupid. It's just the whole premise is. Well, I didn't know what Purge meant. I thought it was some kind of dystopian thing. Yeah, it's a dystopian movie. The whole premise of the movie is that somehow in the future, the United States decided that it'd be a good idea to have no crime on one night of the year. Well, that's stupid. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to solve all society's problems by letting them go have at it one for 12 hours. Uh, for 24 hours or 12 hours or whatever the hell long it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to, we'll just let them all blow off steam on one day. That'll solve the, yeah, the whole the premise is just dumb. It's just an excuse for a slasher movie. It's like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, okay. It's, um, all right. It's just an excuse for a horror flick. Would you accept a one way ticket to Mars? Yes. Uh, I say very carefully. Well, because if you're going to Mars, it's a one-way trip. If you're going to Mars, it's a one-way trip. It's yeah. a one-way trip. You're a settler. It's like the pilgrims. You're going. Yes. So, if you go, you go. They already have one girl slated. She's a teenager. And... Um, I don't know how the why how they could have done it to her, but they made her promise that she would not have children. I doubt they had to make her promise. She's a zealot. She's a zealot. Yeah. Only zealots are going to get chosen on the first trip. It's like the pilgrims. Only zealots are going to go on these first trips. You're. Only going to get zealots on a handful of your first trips. Your first settlers are only going to people with the zeal to do it, with an almost religious zeal. That's it. No one else is going to go to to Mars. <laughs> eh, I kind of want to go. <laughs> it's, it's a one way trip. It's essentially a suicide mission, except you're trying to survive. There is no coming back, so you have to be a zealot. There's nothing wrong with it. Be a zealot. I mean, there's, you're not a negative zealot. It's a positive. You're trying to further, you know, settle the species and move on and go, you know, settle new lands, the whole nine yards. It's fine. We've, it's part of the human spirit. We've always had people to do that. It's always existed. It's how we covered every inch of the damn globe. We even have people in Antarctica. Yeah, don't, don't tell me. And no one who's not a zealot goes to Antarctica either. Those are science, science zealots. Every single one of them. And it's fine. There's See, we get this notion that being a zealot is always negative. And it's not. No, they're needed. It's They're just insanely driven towards one direction. They can become negative if they lose their sense of ethics and morality and, and you know at any cost. That's when the big zealotry becomes negative, and there is that danger. But they're going to Mars, that's their own problem, right? <laughs> they're going to Antarctica, that's their own problem. It, it, don't, it doesn't impact the rest of us. In fact, maybe they get some scientific discoveries and it helps, yes, the rest it of helps us. the rest of us. Yeah, no, 
and how much of it is our responsibility to watch out for their danger? I, you know, I don't think it's actually my responsibility. If people want to climb onto a rocket and go shoot to Mars, knock themselves out. It ain't for up for me to stop them. Which trend or passing fad would you revive if you could? Bell bottoms. God, why would you want bell bottoms? Bell bottoms were cool. <laughs> why would you want bell bottoms? Bell bottoms were cool. I miss my bell bottoms. I'm not a big fan of fads. I don't pay any attention to them. So I don't I wouldn't know. Pet rock? That is what? Why? Well, because at least the pet rock as a fad was honest. It didn't pretend to be anything other than it was. It's it's a rock that you just colored and painted and you used as a kind of a decoration. You called it a pet rock, but it, you know what it really was. You know, it's like a lucky coin. There, it's there's an honesty in its simplicity. Now, I wouldn't actually want to bring back the pet rock. I'm just I'm just saying that this is the only one I could think of that's I remotely care about. Remotely care about. <laughs> <laughs> How about the fad of freedom of speech? We'll bring that one back. We'll bring that one back. What would be your last meal as a prisoner? Bring me a Dr. Pepper. That's, I, I want lobster, damn it. Don't care that much. It's quite frankly, if, if I'm having a last meal as a prisoner, my last meal is my least of my worries. It's, you know... What do I care? <laughs> You're killing me in an hour. What do I give a crap what I've eaten? <laughs> I don't care. Are there inappropriate jokes you can laugh about all day? Me? Sure. I laugh at all kinds of inappropriate jokes. Those are the best kind. Now, there's inappropriate jokes I wouldn't say in polite company. You know, I'll, I'll just as I tell my children, you know, there's all things have circumstances. You know, there's times and places for things. And you have to be good. What is it? Who said it? One of these comedians, I don't think it was Dave Chappelle, but it was one of them. Says you can joke about anything as long as it's a good joke. Says, you know, it's a lot of times uncomfortable humor is discussing a subject that we otherwise can't talk about. That we can't talk about politely. That we can't sit around and have a conversation in polite company. But comedians can. You know, the only person who could speak freely was the court jester. I think we've actually had this discussion previously. That, you know, in ancient times. The only person who could be honest with the king was the court jester. He had to walk a fine line. Yeah. But comedians... Do that's why that's why a good comedian is so hard to find, but they're also kind of worth their cultural weight. It's because they can tell us truths that we can't tell ourselves, and we can do it in a way that makes us listen and hear, and we don't change our minds quickly. 
right? They make us so we contemplate and we think yes. long term. It's not yes. like they're out there, not out there to change our minds. They're out there to get us to perceive something differently. To plant a seed. That's what a real good comedian. All right, I think we got time for one more. Um, would you make modern technology disappear if you could? No. Why would I do that? If we weren't on our cell phones so much. This complaints about our cell phone, you know, they used to make the exact same complaints about people reading books. Make exact same complaints about people watching TV. The exact same complaint about, you know, you can go back throughout all of time of history. Sitting around the fire. That damn fire they invented. Yeah. Oh, well, fire is probably pretty useful. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but sitting around the fire just talking, thinking. Philo philosophers, why are you spending all that time thinking? Why don't you get some work done? Of course, we needed those philosophers. We need the people who are willing to think. We needed those early engineers who didn't know what they were doing, who was building stuff that fell down five times, ten times before they got it to stay up. And how many people told them to stop playing around with that and get to work? Quit trying to make that pyramid. Yeah. Quit trying to make that plow. Just get out there and use your hands. But no, if I get this right, the ox will be able to pull this thing for me and I can do much more in a shorter period of time. Let's shut up and get out there and just plant your seed by hand. But over time, he got the ox, he got the plow, and he got it all to work. And his farm was better. So when we talk about if we didn't spend so much time on our cell phone, maybe. But all that time on our cell phones has connected us. We now talk to people around the world instantaneously. Conversations that literally used to take years now take seconds. It used to take months to send a letter to England and then months to get it back. A year. It takes years to actually have a conversation by letter. Now, pick up a phone, talk to someone halfway around the world. Ten seconds. Less time than it used to take me to get my pen ready. Heck, we can do FaceTime now around the world. We can see people's faces. And so do I want to get rid of modern technology? No. What has modern technology brought us? If you get rid of modern technology, that means you get rid of air conditioning, plastics, internet. I mean, screw the internet. Modern technology is everything. You don't just get to choose just the cell phone. No, you don't get to choose just the cell phone. It's all of it. The cell phone is a byproduct of everything that came before it. So if you're going to take, you have to get rid of everything that came before it. And that's, you know, plastics. If you get rid of plastics, how many medical advances go away? Mm. How much medical technology is only, is only viable because we have plastics that our bodies won't reject? Yes. It's, we don't understand how integrated our technology is. And we all, it's far too easy to look back in the past and say life was simpler back then. No, it wasn't. 
we just don't understand how complicated it was back then. And those of us who might even are old enough to know, don't know, we forget. We look at the past with rose-colored glasses. That's why everybody from the right to the left, I'll, back, I'll go back and look at the 1950s. The, the right, political right looks at the 1950s and, these, and they want the cultural 1950s. The, the political left looks at the 1950s and they want the economics of the 1950s. When the reality of the world's 1950s was a unique time in history that will never exist. Again. And well, unless we want to destroy half the world and then rebuild it again, because that's the only reason that the 1950s existed the way they did was because half the world had been destroyed by World War II and the United States had the only industrial capacity left to rebuild it. And we lent the world much money to buy stuff from us to rebuild their countries. And we had an economic boom. But the minute those other countries industrialized, had industrial capacity, welcome to the 1960s and 70s, the depressions and recessions of the 60s and 70s. So looking back, the point of all that was looking back into the past without understanding the context of the past is foolhardy. Getting rid of modern technology. No way. I love my modern technology. Speaking of modern technology, that is it for us to, for tonight. You can contact me on Twitter at Jazzrec. You can send Lubby over there and email at love at latenightlove.us. I'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message at anchor FM slash late night love. Or more preferably, you can join our community over at patreon.com slash late night love. Come chat with me. And join our Discord and family. And we actually got some of my kids to join the Discord the channel. So we should actually start getting some improvement and some conversations Sweet. there. Sweet. And there'll also be a public thing. So I'll give you guys a Discord link here shortly. And we'll update our website this week. Thank you all for joining us this evening. And from me and Lubby, have a great New Year's. Please remember to love everybody. And good night.